welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. Jesus is the king, and Jesus is coming back. That's today, and that's the end of the matter, praise God. Uh, Sayonara, we're out of here. Our ticket's punched. It's a one-way ticket, praise the Lord, and I want to share God's word with you today so that you can rejoice and you can be instructed, but also we can see the reality of the situation and how God's reality applies to our everyday circumstance and where we are in this life. The writer to the Hebrews wrote these words in Hebrews chapter 9, and you can follow along. And also in the program this morning, there's a set of notes. And I I want to encourage you to take notes this morning. I'll be giving you some scriptures that are not in the notes, but that you'd take those home and you'd read them to be encouraged and that your faith would be built up in the words of Jesus and in the promise of Jesus to come back. So the writer to the Hebrews wrote this, and uh, if you recall that uh, they were Hebrew or Jewish Christians, and the author was writing to them. Pastor Daniel did a really good job. I read his notes, and I just, Daniel, you don't know this. I was bragging about you last week, all right? I'm just saying, oh, man, he gets it. Look, I know where he's been studying. I know where he's, he's... He just gets it, and so I listened to your sermon this week, and thank the Lord for it. I'm uh, I'm telling you, I just thank God for the staff and the ministers that we have here. It really, 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 really does make a difference. Praise God. But he wrote to the, the Jewish Christians, the community. There are several things. One of them was, uh, uh, one of them was that he said. He said, be careful lest your salvation slip away from you. It's like the ring on the finger that uh, if, it, if you've ever lost a lot of weight, and that, I've not qualified there yet, but your, your ring can just fall off. And so, and he, or it's like a boat that's tied up. Picture a, a lake, and it's tied up at the dock, just a rowboat, a wooden rowboat, if you would, and, and the knot comes undone, and before you know it, it just sort of drifts away. And because they were in danger of going back to their old ways, and they're starting to question. And that's why uh, Hebrews 1, 1 through 4, that God spoke to us long ago about the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son, who is the heir of all things. And that whole passage that was ministered to last week. When it gets to Hebrews chapter 9, he's just written this wonderful chapter upon the once-for-all sacrifice of Jesus Christ so that once he said you observe sacrifices through animals and yearly it was required of you, but once for all now Jesus Christ, through who through his eternal blood has offered himself up to God for you, and because of him, he's cleansed your consciences to be able to serve the living God. And then in Hebrews chapter 10, he said, There's therefore now no more need to go in daily or yearly, but it's a once for all it's been done. To reassure them that their faith in Jesus Christ was real 
and to be reminded. And I want to remind us today that Jesus Christ is coming back. This is the hope of the church. God's Word says this, that he who has this, or, or whoever has this hope in them, they purify themselves in the Lord. And we live in a day that wars against our heart and our soul. We live in a day where our world does not reinforce our faith, but in fact it challenges our faith and makes it difficult. But God's Word is written so that we could have a more sure word, and I want to share those things with you today. And so in Hebrews chapter 9, we're going to begin reading in the middle of verse 26. It said, But now once at the consummation of the ages, He has been manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. And inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. So Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. <laughs> that means He's coming back. How many know that He's going to appear the second time? I can count once that He's come, but there's a second time. He is coming back for His church for salvation without reference to sin. In other words, He's not coming back to take away sin. That's happened. But He's coming to finish the plan that God has. He's coming back to those who eagerly await Him. Praise His name. Back in the day, in Assemblies of God churches and perhaps in other Bible-believing churches, but my frame of reference is Assemblies of God. Way back in the day, sort of the, the standing joke was this, that the preacher, because he preached Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, on Wednesday night or Sunday night, he had four main sermons. Jesus is the Savior, and you're all sinners, and you need to get saved today. He's the Savior. How many know that's a good word? Yeah. Okay. Jesus Christ is the healer. He bore our sicknesses and our sorrows on the cross, and he's here today for you to be healed by the power of Jesus because he's the same today, yesterday, and forever. Jesus is the baptizer because in the kingdom of God, what we've been commissioned to do to fulfill the great commission, we cannot do in our own strength. And so we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And people were encouraged and it was taught and preached to be baptized in the Spirit just as soon as possible to seek the Lord. And that Jesus is the King. He's the soon coming King because He's going to deliver us from this world and we're going to be forever with the Lord. Praise God. And then, and then, then next month they'd start again Sunday night, the same four sermons. And, but the wonderful thing about it, the wonderful thing about it is this, it let us know over and over that it's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about Him. It's all about God's plan that He has for us in His great mercy and His tender kindnesses toward us. And so today, uh, today I want to share a few things for, uh, with you about that Jesus Christ is coming back. One of the, one of, there's some challenges with this to the modern mind. When the modern mind hears the concept heaven and hell, when they hear the terms judgment and sacrifice and sin, these so often now are seen as primitive concepts for unlearned and uneducated people who are naive and don't know any better. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. Yes. 
But the word of the Lord is the same. It endures, it lasts forever. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. So I want to encourage you as the followers of Jesus Christ to trust the words of Jesus. How many can do that? You can trust the words of Jesus. The narrative or the story of Scripture is all about God's plan to benefit you and me so that we can come into a saving relationship with Him, so that we can know the power of deliverance from sin, so that we can be transformed, so that we can have the life that God has made for us, the plans that He has for our future to give us a future and a hope, the plans that are for our good. That's what the Word of God is all about. But Jesus is coming back. We know from Genesis, the, the account of Genesis, and you heard about this last week. I'll briefly summarize God's plan. He created the heavens, the earth, and everything that was in it. And on the sixth day, he called it what? He called it what? Good. Good. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that if you look around the world today, we can't call everything good, can we? Something happened. Something happened in that plot. Humanity rebelled from God. They took matters into their own hands, as we so often do. We take matters into our own hands. But because of that, God sent a Savior, Jesus Christ, and we're going to unpack this just a little bit to pay the penalty for our sins. And so, what the writer said this is, first of all, is that Jesus came to inaugurate the consummation of the ages. The creation of the earth and God's plan was to dwell among men. That's what God's plan was. How many understand that? Among humanity. God created this earth, this creation, to dwell with you and with me and to be in first personal fellowship and he commissioned us in Genesis 1, 26 or 28, that we were to go, that Adam and Eve as his agents, his regents, were to go and inhabit the earth, multiply and fill it and have dominion over the earth. And that was to spread the ways and the purposes of God so that all of creation could come under the governance of God. That's what it was about. If you read the book of Revelation, chapter 21 and 22, the last two chapters in the Bible and compare them with the first chapter, you'll see that the purposes of God will one day ultimately be fulfilled. And John saw, said, and I saw a new heavens and a new earth. And there came down, came, there came down this city. And in this city dwelt God and his son, Jesus Christ. And there was no sun, there was no night rather, because the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, was the light and he took away the darkness. Praise his name. And in the book of Revelation, the new heavens and the new earth, God's purposes are finally established and they will never, 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 never go back to the way it was. Can someone say amen? And you and I will call that good. God has blessed most of us, blessed most of us. We have to be careful that we just don't take the blessings of God and say we've had a, we have a wonderful life, but understand God blesses us, but he also wants us to fulfill his priorities, and that's the Great Commission. And so let's look at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
The first is that he did come, came to inaugurate the consummation of the ages, to reintroduce the kingdom of God so that this world and you and I could come into a saving relationship and under his governance where Jesus is the king, he's the savior, he's the healer, because there was a curse, sorrows and grief attend our way. He's the healer. He's the baptizer because we need power, Acts 1.8, to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. And he's the king, and he's the soon coming king because it's all about Jesus Christ. God's word says that God has now spoken to us through Jesus because all things are through him, all things are by him, all things are for him, and because of him, all things hold together in God in Jesus Christ. Can someone say amen? It's all about him. I said to uh, our, my friend that we vacationed with this past week, and I've known him now, it's an excess of 50 years. How many, have any, how many of you have friends that you've had them for over 50 years? Just let me see your hands. Okay, that's a lot. Uh, that's a lot of years, and to say we're still good friends. How many know if you vacation with someone, that's good friends? We've been vacationing 20-some years, and our, our little kids, they vacation together. And uh, I, my dad called me last week. It was on Father's Day, and he was preaching. Dad's going to be 88 in August. Hmm. He's going to be 88 in August, and he's preaching on a Sunday morning. And he said, oh, pray for me. Pray for me. I like that humility of spirit that God will use what I have to say to help the people. He's not the lead pastor anymore, but he's 88 and he's, at, he's there every day. And I said that to my friend. He said, he said, Paul, when your dad preaches, he said, we love it when he preaches because he always preaches about Jesus. That's what it's all about. And so the Lord came back to inaugurate the end of the ages. And that happened when he died on the cross and was crucified and resurrected. The second thing the writer says is that Jesus came the first time to make a way for salvation. His primary work when he came was to stand in your place and my place, to be the sacrifice, because our sins, sin is so great that a most holy God, a most holy God cannot and will not reconcile sin. Sin and the character of God can never mix. How many understand that? They can't mix. They're, it's like oil and water. Um, I happen to, I like salad dressings and I like a lot of things, obviously, but anyway, um, Homemade salad dressings and, but olive oil and, you know, vinaigrettes and stuff like that. And, and, but, you know, they're in the container. And you ever notice how the oil always separates out? Yeah, and you shake that thing like really hard. And, you, and then you try to pour it out quick while it's still like mixed up. And you say, oh, that's good. I want some more of that salad. And pass the salad dressing. You notice it's gone right back to oil and vinegar. And the character of God is that sin and God's character cannot 
They, they cannot be mixed together. But right now, the Word of God says it's because of His, his kindness that He has reserved and stayed back His hand of dealing with sin. And He sent Jesus Christ to put away sin for all of mankind to make it possible by placing our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's what happened when the Lord Jesus came. His primary work was to do that. Romans 5 tells us when we were, we were enemies of God, when we were without strength, He sent His Son, Christ, to die for the ungodly. And so His first coming is a sure sign of His second coming. When He came the first time, Paul wrote in the book of 1 Corinthians 15, He came that, that He was crucified for our sins, He was buried and on the third day he rose again. But when he rose in power, his power overcame death, hell, and the grave. And Paul the Apostle said then, when he was resurrected, one day we too will be resurrected and we will be like him when we see him because we'll see him as he sees us. We'll know him as we are known. And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, listen friends, there is coming a resurrection. There is coming a resurrection when you and I will be caught up to meet the Lord, praise God, and these bodies will change and they'll go from a mortal body to a heavenly body forever and ever and ever. That's because He came to deal with sin and to put away sin. And because He did that, though, He's also coming back. The third thing that the writer points out to us is that he will come back because all will stand before God. All will stand before God. That's not, to me, it's a, it's not just a pleasant prospect. It is a, it is a humbling and a most anticipated prospect to stand before God. One scene in the Bible has that the accuser of the brethren will also be there, but our Savior, Jesus Christ, will step in. No, I've paid the price. His name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. One of the parables, Jesus said this, Thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of my kingdom. It is, it'll be that day when what He has gripped my life for and how He has changed and reached to the deepest, deepest, deepest part of everything that I am and my aspirations and my, my shortcomings and my failings and, and my falling down but getting up by the grace of God, when that day it will all be over and we enter into the presence of God and He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Praise God. The judgment of God because we will stand before the righteous judge of all the earth. The enemy knows how to get to us. It's why he's called the accuser of the brethren. There's no one that I know of that likes to be accused. Men particularly hate to be accused. I don't know if you're, you're aware of that or not. I'm just telling you, it's just the way it is. You know, I just heard there's a big study and they said, it was like the six things that men hate most or fear most. 
I was surprised. They said this. They would rather be unloved by their wife than to be disrespected. But that's why Paul wrote in Ephesians, he said, Husbands, love your wives, but wives, respect your husbands. Wives, if you want to get to your husband, disrespect him. If you want to get to your husband, also respect. And that doesn't mean Lord and Master, you know, we bow down, kiss your feet. I said to my wife, <laughs> I said to her once, yeah, uh, the Bible says that, and I was just joking, but she got real serious in a hurry. I said that, that uh, Sarah called Abraham Lord, and Ma- Lord. She said, honey, honey, babe, you're no Abraham, just like that. So, boy, she got me quick, all right. We're going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of thy kingdom because we stand before the righteous judge of all the earth. How many have been cussed out before? Anyone been cussed out before? You know what that's like, what that makes you feel like? Cussed out, dressed down, left, and yeah, I don't like that. That's not going to happen. The followers of Jesus Christ stand before the Lord. But our account for all of us has eternal consequences. If you're born, you're going to die. How many understand that? Someone has said there's two things that are certain in this life, death and taxes. No, there are three things that are certain. Death, taxes, and you and I will stand before God. There's no escape. I don't want there to be an escape. How about you? No, we stand before Him. But it's a... It's an awesome thing and yet a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a righteous God who is angry over sin in our lives because we've rejected His Son, Jesus Christ. And so that's why the Word of God says that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And it's why in Titus 2 it says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. Now that's a mouthful, but I'm thankful for it. How about you? This is the word of God that he has for us. So we will all stand before the Lord. We give account for what we've done with the Lord Jesus Christ. We either hear, well done, good and faithful servant, or depart from me, I never knew you, into eternal separation. My mind can't begin to comprehend what that's like. People say that God sends, God sends people to hell. I beg to different differ. He's not willing that any should perish. He sent his son to provide a way for you and for me. The fourth thing is that he's coming back because he promised to. Praise God. I've learned to trust the words of Jesus. How about you? When Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, Jesus said this was done to fulfill what the prophet Isaiah said that he himself took our sorrows and our sicknesses, our grief. 
And then in Luke 4, he stood up and he read and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to heal. He's anointed me to set the prisoner free. So we learn to trust the words of Jesus. Jesus has promised that he would come back for us. His second coming fulfills God's plan for all of creation. It fulfills it for his church. He's coming back. I want to share with you a timeline of events. In your scripture, you can go to, and I believe we have this, 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 and 17. Do we have that? Yes. The first thing that will happen when Jesus Christ comes back is called the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church. Paul wrote this, these words, but he prefaced it by saying, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning what's going to take place. So you're not worried. You're, you're not in dread and fear. And he said that for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And the dead in Christ does not mean that if Jesus comes right now and you're sleeping that you go up before anyone else because that's not what that means. It means those that are dead and buried. I think everyone understands that. And I don't know how that's going to happen. Um, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. But it's going to happen. It said that they will rise first, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we always be, and so we shall always be with the Lord. And that could happen at any time. If the Lord comes. There's going to be a trumpet sound. and He's going to descend. We're going to be caught up. That's the first resurrection. Those who are dead in Christ, they're going to caught up, be caught up, and we're caught up to the heavens with Him. And for those that are caught up, with him, with his church, all sorrow, pain, and sickness, and grief, and sin are left behind forever and ever and ever and ever. Praise God. Now, after that occurs what is known as the Great Tribulation. There, there are some who believe that the church is going to go through the Great Tribulation. The Great Tribulation is called the hour of trial to test the whole church. The Assemblies of God does not believe that. We believe that the Lord will deliver his bride before the hour of trial to test the whole, whole world because Jesus Christ has already paid the price. He has been tested for you and for me. And because he loves his bride, he's not looking to retest us again. In fact, if the words of Jesus said in Luke 21, 36, and there's, it's a great passage of the second coming. He said, he said these words, he said to his followers, but keep on the alert at all times, praying that you may have strength, which means that you will be counted worthy to escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. The church of Jesus Christ, I believe, will not go through the great tribulation, the hour of trial to test the whole earth. 
Revelation 3.10 says to the church, it says, because of your perseverance, I will deliver you from the hour of trial that is coming to test the whole earth. Now, friends, you can believe what you want. I want to believe. I believe in the words of Jesus. Come and say amen. I believe in his love and his great kindness for me. I believe in his forgiveness for me. I believe he is the head of the church and that we are the bride. And if I had an opportunity to deliver my bride from the hour of trial or from crisis, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Yes. Now, here's the deal. You can believe you're going to go through the tribulation. That's, you can go, just go for it uh, if you want. But when that trumpet sounds, if you're wrong, you can scratch and claw, and you can say, no, leave me here. I believe, I believe, leave me here. I want to go through the great tribulation. Friends, you're going up anyway. Or you can say, you can say, if we're wrong and the tribulation happens, say, no, I'm not going through the tribulation. I, how many know you're going through it anyway if we're wrong? But I'd rather be, have my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and live according to what he said to be ready, to be counted worthy and know his love and his plans that he's a delivering God, a saving God. For the God of salvation will appear. This is what the writer said. He'll appear the second time for salvation. Salvation without reference to sin. In other words, he's not coming back to put away sin. He's coming back to finalize his work on the cross of salvation for you and for me and his church. How many understand that? Yes. Salvation as in saved from the great hour of trial. And so, I'm looking forward to that hope. One day the trumpet will sound. Now, it used to scare me to death when I was a kid. Uh, some of you remember the Thief in the Night series. How many remember that? Holy mackerel. You'd get saved. <laughs> Paul said <laughs> he's convinced that some men got saved, some people got saved because of the love of God, and others got saved because of the terror of God. That would scare you into salvation, at least while that movie was going. At least during that altar call, you'd get saved, you know. I remember I was, uh, I don't know, ninth or 10th grade, and we lived up near Scranton. Uh, it was in Peckville, Pennsylvania, where my parents still live, and a lot of my family still lives. And there was a great blackout on the East Coast. They called it a brownout on the East Coast. The whole electric grid went down. It happened in the afternoon. And our, there, we didn't have any school buses. We walked to school four miles each way. Both ways were uphill and in the snow all the time. No, we, it was about a mile that we walked to school on the railroad tracks. And it was pretty cool, actually. You walked with your buddies, and you know, I mean, it was really actually pretty cool. And uh, the power went out, and they dismissed school. And uh, we, I thought, I said, oh my goodness, my mom's right. She said, when you're 14 years old, you know, oh boy, could she quote scripture. You better get right, you know, you better get right with God. She said, the way you're living... You're not going to make it in the rapture. And I, and I said, well, I'll get saved in the tribulation. You know, and she'd say, she'd quote the scripture from the Old Testament, if you can't run with the footmen, how do you expect to ever run with the horses, you know? 
And, uh, and I said, oh, my goodness. Uh, oh, my Lord. So I went to the church because my dad was always at the church. He was only a block away, and my dad wasn't there. No cell phone. I said, well, I know. I know my, if my mom's at home, the rapture surely had not happened. And I went home and my mom wasn't there. The door was unlocked. Of course, everyone left the door unlocked in those days anyway. But I said, oh, oh, Lord. As I'm calling, I'm calling Ruth Jane, Bob's, Bob Jane. And we, we just buried him 93 years old. 93 years old in my home church, great funeral, home going. Oh my goodness, all of his kids came from all over, and you know. And but he was a one-armed guy. His his uh, his his arms had his arm had been cut off in a mining accident, and uh, he just worked his entire life and loved God. And what an inspiration! If anyone would going up and be him and his wife Ruth and we didn't have cell phone. I called Ruth uh, and I was going, Sister Jane, Sister Jane, and she didn't answer the phone. So I called my Sunday school teacher. The friend I just vacationed with, Mom. And she wasn't home. And I knew and the power was out, I knew the rapture had happened. And I just, oh God, I'm sorry. I'll never, please protect me. Help me run with the horses, you know. And I just, and, and the power was out. I don't want to go through that again. And you don't want to go through that ever. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And you don't have to go through that. You don't have to go through that. After, after the hour of trial, the tribulation that comes, there's the millennium, thousand-year reign of Christ. And I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know if it's a thousand one year. I don't know if it's eight hundred fifty years. I don't know. It says a thousand years. But what's going to happen during the millennium is there's going to be a time of peace on this earth. And Jesus is going to set up his, his kingdom, godly principles. The lion and the lamb will lay down together. Swords will be beaten into plowshares. We'll lay down our weapons of war. We don't have to worry about someone that has an atomic bomb or nuclear bomb and they might press the button at any time. Can you imagine the prosperity that could be if we didn't have to defend ourselves? If we didn't have to have armies. And thank God for the military. Thank God for it so we can sleep at night. But during this time, during this time of His reign, Israel, National Israel will experience salvation. They're going to come back to their Messiah, Jesus Christ, during this thousand-year reign. The devil and his angels, his demons, are, they are bound, bound from this earth. Their influence is gone. When the church is raptured out of here, you can read in 2 Thessalonians 1 and 2, Paul said, 
what's going to happen is the great restrainer is going to be removed. The presence of God is going to be removed from this earth and all hell will break loose for, for seven years. But after that, there's a time of a thousand years of peace when Jesus Christ comes. And then there will be the visible return of Christ and His church to earth that ushers in this universal peace. And you can read about this in Revelation 19. 11 and 14 says, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True. Trust the one who's faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. They come to execute the wrath and the vengeance of God. And they set up this rule for a thousand years. After that, after that is, the, is the resurrection for everyone else that did not go up in the rapture. It's the resurrection. It's called the resurrection of the wicked. The resurrection and the judgment of the wickedness for those who have never called upon the Lord Jesus Christ and they have rejected Him. We all are resurrected. One is resurrected. We stand before God and we're judged for our works. and Whether our name is in the book of life but the resurrection and the judgment of the wicked before the righteous judge of all the earth is where people are condemned forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Separation from God. But after that is, praise God, is the new heavens and the new earth. <laughs> Revelation 21 and 22, God's word says, and the earth will be full of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Can someone say amen? Praise his name. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're going through. I know that the truth of God's word applies to our lives and all circumstances of our lives. I know that when we were kids and a lot of our churches were on the other side of the tracks and all we had was the hope in Jesus because jobs weren't good. It was mostly blue collar. It was hard. You could be fired. You could be hurt. You could be anything, and, and we were often called holy rollers, and I was made fun of in high school growing up. But I want to encourage you to maintain your witness. Don't give in. Don't give out. Jesus Christ loves you. He knows you. One of the, one of the, men, one of the men who later on got saved, uh, he was a senior in high school, and I was a freshman, and I couldn't go to watch football films on Sunday night because we had church. My mom and dad said, no, you're going to church. You're not going to be a professional football player anyway, so you're going to church. He went on. He had a full scholarship, University of Arizona. He later came to the Lord, and his dad did, and he said, testimony. I didn't know this. I wasn't there. But he said, the difference was, told my dad, he said, that son of yours is 14 years old. He's a freshman. We abused him. 
We made fun of him. They're big, burly seniors. And he said it made a difference. I saw the difference it makes in someone's life. I want to encourage you to hold fast your testimony. I want to encourage you, no matter what you are going through, and I'm going to have the band if you'd come right now, if you would, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're coming, going through, it is all temporary, and one day Jesus Christ is going to appear. But right now, He is the healer, He is the Savior, He is the baptizer. He's carried our griefs and He's carried our sorrows. He's carried our pain and He's carried our sins and our sickness. Praise His name. But most of all, I want to, I want to just on the basis of God's Word to say, be ready. Today is the day of salvation. Today you can receive Jesus Christ into your life. There's no reason not to. Today you can make that choice. So that if you would stand before the Lord today, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Someone say amen. Praise God. Yes. Today, his kingdom can come to your life. Today, he can begin the day. Transformation. He's taken the place for you and for me. Praise his name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning?